Welcome back to DQB Does, Direct Quarters Podcast Network Movie Review Show, where we are constantly being mistaken for spies. Uh, with me this evening is my co-host, Russell. Spy versus spy. Yeah, spy versus spy. Um, and that's it. Just me and just me and Russell this week. Yeah. Um, we also are not having a DQP Weekly this week, so we might talk about a couple other things. Yeah. Um, but we are continuing, or finishing, we're finishing, uh, our, uh, April Hitchcock <laughs> with North by Northwest 1959, uh, not rated, it's approved. <laughs> I mean, I approve it. Uh, two hours and 16 minutes. This one was long. Yeah, and I was kind of like, "Ooh, I didn't realize it was this long." Yeah, when I started watching it, but yeah, it was I talked, fine. I talked Cassie into watching it with me, and then we realized it was like forty minutes past her bedtime when it was over. Oops. <laughs> yeah, because like the other ones were like an hour and twenty, hour and thirty. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of short. This one was not. Um. So, uh, let's talk about the movie first, then we'll talk about other stuff later. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so quick synopsis, a, uh, New York city advertising executive, um, gets mistaken for a spy, (laughs) uh, at like a bar, like a cocktail lounge. Yeah. Um, and he gets kidnapped by this dude Stooges, and they take him to this house where he gets questioned by the dude, and the dude won't take, I'm not the fucking spy you're looking for, as an answer. <laughs> Which, like... I get it. Why would you? I get it. <laughs> but it's also just like, like, if you were in that situation, I would be so fucking frustrated. Um... And and uh, the executives, Cary Grant, right? Yeah. And Cary Grant's awesome in this movie. Yeah, Cary Grant is fucking amazing in this movie. He plays Roger Thornhill. Um, so Roger's just like, dude, I'm, I am not the guy you were looking for. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh, that's exactly what a spy would say. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> So they go round and round, and he's just like, you're not going to admit it? And he's like, no, because I'm not. Like, let me go. <laughs> he's like, well, I can't do that. It's like, what the fuck? I'm leaving. And then, like, his stooges come back, and he's like, god damn it. So then they're like, they're going to kill him. Because they caught the spy that they've been looking for, that's spying on whatever illicit activity. We have no idea what these guys are doing. Yeah, no clue. Whatever illicit activities that they're doing that is worthy of being spied upon by (laughs) whoever. We don't know who this spy works for. Nothing. (laughs) Right? Uh, Which I think adds to the intrigue. It adds to the intrigue and the suspense and the drama of the whole thing. But they're like, okay, well, we're going to kill you. And he's like, (laughs) what? No, take me home. They're like, okay, let's have a drink first. And he's like, I'm good. He's like, do you like bourbon? He's like, that's beside the point. Because we've already, like, we've established that he's a heavy drinker. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Yep. 
we we have established that he's a a heavy drinker, and the first way they try to kill him is by making him drink a fifth of bourbon yep. and putting him behind the wheel of a stolen car. And yep. they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna drive him off this cliff." And he's like in the driver's seat singing to himself, and he's like, "Hey, I want to take care. Why? Why are you making me drive?" I was like, "This is fucking great." Yep. And uh, so then, like, he sees that they're put, they're like driving him to the, like, and there's a guy in the car that's going to jump out when they get close to this fucking cliff. Yeah. And he notices that they're driving towards a cliff and he's like, hey, I'm behind the street. Well, why are we doing this? And he pushes the other guy out <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not going to die today. And he drives, <laughs> he like drives down this crazy windy highway, like, it looks like something in Beverly Hills or something, which it probably was. Yeah. Uh, it looks like some like PCH kind of highway. Just like a two-lane, two-way traffic, cliff on one side, cliff up on the other side. <laughs> and he like almost hits a bunch of people, almost hits a pole, almost hits a tree. And then uh, a cop pulls out behind him they're trying to follow him to run him off the road to kill him because they're trying to kill him yeah but a cop pulls out follows him he ends up like stopping at like a stop sign or some shit yeah and he's like oh stop here <laughs> and the cop car like rear ends him and then somebody rear ends the cop car and he gets arrested for drunk driving so he tries to tell the cops what happened, and they're not having it, because he's drunk, and, you know, a drunk try to get out of anything, saying anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, they let him sleep it off. The next morning, he sees the judge for a hearing, and he tells the whole story that these guys at this place, and he knows where it was, they didn't bag him or anything. Yeah. Uh, he knows where it is, and he's like, look, you know, they're gonna, they were trying to kill me, and this is what they did, that's why I was driving drunk, blah, blah, blah. So he convinces the cops to take him back there to confront these people, like they're gonna fucking admit it. <laughs> and he brings his fucking mom along, which yeah, I was like, dude. why do you have your fucking mother with you? One, why would you bring your mom? <laughs> Two... His mom is kind of a shithead. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, also, why did you bring your mom <laughs> when she's a fucking shithead? Yeah, she, like, doesn't believe him at all. No. <laughs> she's like, you're a terrible drunk, and I knew this was going to happen, and I know you're full of shit. Like, yeah. mom, fuck you. I'm, like, 45. Like, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. Also, why are you here? Um... My mom wouldn't do that. She'd be like, whatever Shane says is true. <laughs> he would never do this. I don't know if my mom would believe me or not. I feel like she might be like, did you slip into being a teenager again? And then when I'm like, no, 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 she might believe me. Yeah. I actually have no idea what my parents would do if I got in like serious trouble. It's like when I got in trouble at school, when I was at the academy, like... I got in trouble for grade stuff. And yeah. like the first thing my mom asked me is if I was doing drugs. <laughs> and I was like, no. I didn't tell her what I was actually doing, but 
It yeah. wasn't drugs. Yeah. No, every, every time I got arrested, they were for sure like on the side of the law. <laughs> like every yeah, time. I never brought me that. home. Every time they had to bail me out, like they were like, what are you doing? I mean, 80% of the time it was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they go there. The people that he talked to weren't there. This guy's wife supposedly is there. It's actually like the other dude's sister or something you find out later. Um, She's full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you were at the dinner party and you were half in the tank when you got here and then you drank more and we told you that you shouldn't leave and you said you were going to get a cab. And he's like, that's all bullshit. <laughs> so they believe her and then she says that uh, the place belongs to a Mr. Townsend. And she's like, oh, well, Mr. Townsend's like, you know, he's at the United Nations, United Nations addressing a committee or something. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Well, see, they thought I was a spy. This guy works for the United Nations. That's see, it makes sense. <laughs> the cops are like, whatever, pal. And this was the funniest thing about the whole thing. His drunk driving charge. It was a $2 fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was like, just pay it. And I was like, oh, it's just a fine. Okay. And then she, he's like, no, what the fuck? It's the prince. They were trying to kill me, mom. And she's like, it's just $2. And I was like, <laughs> died laughing. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Driving drunk as a rich white guy in the 50s was a $2 fine. Holy shit. Yep. Let's talk about privilege. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so then, uh, He's, like, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And, like, the guys that he was talking to when they tried to kill him, they told him all this stuff about him that wasn't him. Uh, this other guy, uh, what was the name? Kaplan. Kaplan. Yeah, George Kaplan. George Kaplan. Uh, Kaplan was staying at this hotel, and then he had reservations at this hotel and this hotel in the next week, and he'd stayed at these hotels previously. And he's like, no, I have a fucking apartment. Like, I don't live in a hotel. Fuck you. <laughs> but, uh, so he remembered some of it. So he goes to this hotel with his mom. <laughs> that, that this guy's supposed to be staying at. And, uh, he, uh, goes to the room and they find some stuff. Uh, the guy's obviously not him. Because he finds like the uh, the guy's suits, and it's like four inches too short on the pants, and like <laughs> yeah. three or four inches too short in the arms. <laughs> um, and he finds out that he has dandruff and <laughs> all this stuff about what this other a guy. Tell dad, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh. So they find out all this stuff and they talk to a couple of people and they've never seen Kaplan, but they like know that he's Kaplan because he's in Kaplan's room. Yeah. It's like, they keep being like, it's nice to finally meet you. Yeah. It's nice to finally meet you, Mr. Kaplan. He's like, I'm not Kaplan. Um, (laughs) So then he gets a call from the guys that tried to kill him and he's like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have answered that phone call because he answers the phone call in the room. Yeah. It's 1959. They don't have cell phones. Calm down. Um, 
he answers the call in the room and it's the guys that try to kill him and so then he calls the operator and he's like hey was that did that come from the lobby and she's like hold on i gotta find out and he's like god damn it did it come f- i gotta get out of this room <laughs> uh and then she's like oh yeah it did come from the lobby he's like son of a bitch we gotta leave come on mom and she's like i want to meet these guys that think you're george <laughs> So they go to get on the elevator, and the other elevator's coming up at the time. They get on one going down, but not before the guy's coming up to kill him. Get out, and they get on behind him. But there's a bunch of other people in the fucking elevator, and he says something, and his mom literally is just like, are you boys trying to kill my son? (laughs) So there's like 10 people in this fucking elevator. Seven of them have no or eight, six of them have no idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Two guys that are trying to kill him, they aren't going to admit that they're trying to kill him. <laughs> One guy that knows it's true and the mom who's just fucking stupid. <laughs> so the guys that are trying to kill him start laughing because this is hilarious. Nobody's going to fucking believe you. Yeah. Then everyone else starts laughing because the whole situation is ridiculous and then mom's like <laughs> oh yeah everyone's laughing i'm gonna be social <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid bitch dude that that scene is so fucking harrowing like yeah it's so weird dude cause... if i was roger i'd just be like fuck all of this <laughs> yeah. so then roger's like he has a good idea to get out of the elevator and like kind of stuff these guys in the back of it he's like ladies first yeah but then he squirts out before the ladies <laughs> So these guys are stuck in in the back of the elevator. So he runs away and he's like, "Mom, I'll talk to you later." And fuck you, get the fuck out of it. I'm leaving you behind. And he gets in a in a cab and is like, "Get the fuck, let's go. Go. Go just go." So he the cab leaves. He gets followed by the killers. Um he's like, "All right, let's go to the UN. I'm going to find this Townsend guy and f- get this fucking figured out." So he goes to the UN and he talks to uh, like a uh hostess secretary i don't know what the fuck that person's title would be somebody that knows where everybody is in the building and can get a hold of them and uh she's like oh yeah i'll get mr townsend just wait over here so then this guy that you've never seen before comes up and he's like i'm mr townsend and he's like no you're not that's you're not the person i met yeah and he's like okay what are you talking about? And we're like, you live in this house? And he's like, yeah, that's my house. Are you a neighbor? And he's like, oh, well, and he continues to describe the house. And he's like, yeah, no, that's my house. Yeah. He's like, did we meet last night? And he's like, I don't live at my house right now. Nobody does. <laughs> I live in an apartment. My wife is like off somewhere or something. And like, it's just like my butler and maid and the groundskeeper and his wife or something. Yeah. I think he says his wife died. Oh, his wife died. Yeah. yeah. His wife's been dead for like 10 years or something. Yeah, his wife's been dead, and he doesn't live there right now. It's just like the the staff. Yeah. And uh, he's like, what the fuck? And he's trying to talk to this guy, and then all of a sudden this guy gets fucking like knife thrown in the back with a stiletto. <laughs> and then, okay, people, I just, PSA time. <laughs> if you are not a killer... And someone gets stabbed in front of you. Yeah. Don't touch the fucking knife. <laughs> don't touch the knife. Yeah, don't do it. One, if it's like a loved one and you pull something out that is stabbing someone, like 
it can cause it to bleed more. Yeah. Leave it in. Yep. And if there's like internal damage from it, it can make the internal damage worse. Just yeah. leave it in. You are not a fucking doctor. Nope. Um, two, if you grab the hilt of a fucking knife that is stabbing someone before anyone sees that you aren't the person that stabbed them, it makes it look like you, <laughs> you fucking stabbed them. them. <laughs> Which is what Roger does in this situation. Yeah. He catches the guy grabs the knife, lays him on the ground and pulls it out. And he's like, looks around at that point. Everyone looks at him with a knife with blood on it, standing over a guy that just got stabbed in the back. <laughs> that guy just killed that guy, which is totally normal witness response in that situation. Yeah. One guy with a knife in his hand in a stabbing motion with blood <laughs> dripping on it and off of it and a guy laying on the ground with a hole in his fucking back it sure as hell looks like that dude just stabbed that other dude in the back i don't believe it i didn't see that guy throw a knife he yeah. was smooth yeah you might call him a smooth criminal or a professional knife thrower as they tell you that he is later in the show in the movie um which was you know it was a legit profession in the 50s um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then he has to run away. Now he's like got a murder rap. He hits the news like in in the whole country because a dude just walked in and stabbed a ambassador of some kind or a delegate of some kind in the U <laughs> on the floor of the UN. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to make national news. That makes national news. And, like, there's people with cameras in the building that took a picture of him with a fucking bloody knife in his hand. Yep. Good job, bud. Good yep. job. So then he's running away. So he goes to a train station. He's going to get caught. Oh, fuck. He's like, all right, uh, how do I get on this train if, like, everyone has a fucking picture of me because the cops are after me? I'll just say that I'm going to meet somebody or I'm like showing somebody off, but I'm late. So like, I got to run out to the train right before it takes off so I can say bye. Yeah. And it's not after nine 11. So there's just like a random old man in a fucking guard outfit. That's like, Hey, you can't call that. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs out to the train and he gets on the train. Doesn't have a ticket. That's okay. He'll find a way. To get to Chicago, because that's where the next place that what's his fuck supposed to be? Yeah, Kaplan. Which it, which is amusing in the earlier scene where he's in the house and they're like, "Well, no, you're here and you're going to be 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 yeah, here." Yeah, because then he is actually in all those places. In all those places. Yep. <laughs> 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 that's pretty great. Um, so he's going to Chicago. He gets on the train. Cops get on the train after him, but they're like kind of far away. He runs into this hot blonde, um, Eva Marie Saint, playing Eve Kendall. Uh, and she helps him, and he's like, "What the fuck?" She like ducks him into a cabin and is like, "No, I haven't seen him, officers. I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> um. And then uh, he meets her in the dining car later. Um, and she knows exactly who he is, but she's like, ah, you're hot, so 
I didn't turn you in. It's literally why she doesn't turn him in. Serious. Not even joking. She's well, like... So we think at this point. Well, that's what she says. That's yeah. what she tells him, and he's like, hell yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm fucking Cary Grant, bud. Which, like, maybe at that point in time, if Cary Grant had, like, murdered his mistress and, like, was on a run, was running away and got on a, a fucking train and some random girl was like... You can hide in my bunk. <laughs> that might have been a thing that yeah. would happen because yeah. it's fucking Cary Grant, but it's ludicrous. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. But he's so full of himself. He's like, hell yeah. Yep, he believes it. I got that big chin. Um, <laughs> it's the jawline. <clears throat> so she's like, all right, meet me, meet me at my, my room. This is the room number. So he meets her at, at her room, but like... Uh, we know that the police are like looking around the train. We know they're going to do a sweep of the rooms. Yeah. So she's like, okay, I've got like a bunk that I'm not using, but it's like supposed to, if I'm not using it, it's supposed to be like, uh, stowed away. Yeah. Right. So you got to get in there and we have to stow it away while the cops are here. And then I'll let you down when they leave. So he's like in basically like a overhead compartment that's like folded up. <laughs> and so like the bed is on the wall of it he's like down in the crease with the hinge and shit and he's like oh, damn it this is fucking terrible when can i come out and just the police haven't been here yet shut up so police come and she pretends that she never met him or that she didn't know who he was when she didn't meet him because people saw them together in the dining car yeah and she's like oh my god he's a murderer oh that's terrible um anyway Whatever. Please leave. They sort of believe her. Um, and then they, like, hook up that night. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, that was what that was leading to. Yeah. But, like, as they're hooking up, she had passed a note to the, uh, what is the name of that person that works on a train? Uh, tickets, please, guy. I don't remember what his name is. What or what the name of his title or his title is. I don't know. God damn it. There's probably too many people in this movie for me to find this. Oh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of people uncredited because this was before movies were like Trolley Boy A. Played by this person. Trolley Boy seems like what they might call them then. No, they had a they had the actual Oh a porter. Oh yeah, a porter. yeah, a porter. It was a porter. I don't know what reminded me, but that's what it is. Porter. Um so the porter like comes in and is like basically doing maid shit, right? Chain yeah. turning down her bed and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um But she gives him a note. He takes it to like two two fucking rooms down and it's the bad guy. She, yeah. and she works for the bad guy. Oh, oh no, that's oh. terrible. It's a bond movie. Yeah. Right. It's like a bond movie. If bond wasn't bond, like he just yeah, like fell much. into being bond. Yeah. Just like a random dude. And like, he gets picked up by fucking Dr. No. And <laughs> he's just like, what are you talking about? Dude, that would be, 
Dude, if they didn't like announce who the Bond person was, yeah. or if they were like, "Hey, this person is playing Bond," and then it was a new Bond movie, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, the the bad guy picks up the guy who they think is James Bond, and we're told that the other guy is James Bond, mm-hmm. but the guy who isn't James Bond halfway through the movie actually ends up being James Bond, and the guy that they told us they cast as James Bond was a like, decoy. Gets killed. I don't know if the audience followed me at all. But I'm into it. I want that movie. I'm into it. Yeah. Um. So they get off the train, and like you can tell, she's like nervous, almost like she's having second thoughts. Um. But she helps him get away, and she gives she gives she says like, "Oh, I talked to Kaplan." And at this point, like after they go to sleep, I think is when this this other part happens. It goes to DC, and you see this like council of people yeah talking yeah and they're the people that kaplan in air quotes works for yeah only they tell you that kaplan doesn't exist yeah and that the people that they're actually that they're spying on with someone else that hasn't been figured out yet think that Roger is Kaplan and he's being a better decoy than their non-existent <laughs> decoy could ever be. So they're just going to let him hang out to dry. Yeah. And they're like, is that ethical? And they're like, whatever. We're the government. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what happens whenever anyone brings up ethics at a government meeting. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's behind closed doors. We if it's decide. like on microphone and like in a big room where people could have cameras, then yeah, they're all about ethics. Otherwise, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're for sure going to be- go back for those soldiers that we left behind. Totally. Yeah. Blow it up. Oh, fuck. You're still recording. <laughs> um, but uh, so you find out that Kaplan doesn't exist. So right after that, you find out Kaplan doesn't exist. She's like, oh, hey, I talked to Kaplan. You're like, you lying bitch. <laughs> uh, and she's like, here's these complicated instructions to go into go to Indiana. <laughs> and, Fucking Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> In so 1958 movie. <laughs> yeah. 59. But yeah. Oh, 59. So uh, he takes a Greyhound from chicago to like a random intersection in a court in like the middle of bumfuck indiana which we live in bumfuck indiana and this is like the bumfuckiest part of indiana okay (laughs) like it could be anywhere it could be kansas it's just like a fucking barely not dirt road with a dirt road Dead ending into it, surrounded by cornfields. Yeah. Followed by one of the best scenes I've ever seen. Dude, it's so great. (laughs) So he's just like chilling there and he's like, this guy's supposed to meet me here. Kaplan's supposed to meet me. So like some cars drive by and he's like, is that them? And they just blow by him. Yeah. Another car. Is that them? blows by him he's like what the fuck where is this guy and then like out from behind the corn comes this car and it like pulls down this shit dirt road that's like barely a road and he's like oh what's that and it stops at the end and this guy gets out and like he was driving the other person gets out and gets in the driver's seat and they turn around and drive away and this guy's just standing there across this across this road from him and he's like they're like kind of staring at each other, not like 
trying not to look at each other, but kind of looking like, what the fuck is this other guy doing? Why is he on the other side of the road? Because they're both thinking the same thing. Like, well, like, sort of, right? Because, like, the other guy, it's not Kaplan. We know it's not Kaplan. Yeah. But it's just some guy. It's like, is this guy here to kill him? Yeah. And Roger's like, is that Kaplan? Why is he standing over there? Why hasn't he said anything to me? This other guy is literally waiting for the bus. Like, this is a bus stop. Yeah. Which is how Roger got off. (laughs) So this bus is coming from the other direction and is going to pick this guy up. But he doesn't know that. So he's like, why is this other dude standing on the other? That's the wrong side of the road for the bus, pal. Like, what are you doing? So Roger comes over to him and he's like, hey, you Kaplan? And he's like, nope. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing here? waiting for the bus the bus pulls up he's like see you later pal he's like what the fuck they also they also look out into the distance at oh the they plane. look out yeah they see and like the a plane crop guy, dusting yeah. like, the guy's like that's awful weird and he's like what's that oh, that that plane's crop dusting where there ain't where no. there ain't no crops and then he gets on the bus and drives off <laughs> And then Roger's like staring at this plane and he's like, what the fuck? And then when there's no one else around for miles, the plane stops cross dusting and starts coming at Roger. And it's a little, it's not even, it's not a biplane, but it's like a single prop plane. And he's like, what the fuck? What the, it's getting awfully low. (laughs) What are you doing, bro? And they try to run into him with a plane. (laughs) And it's like, what in the actual fuck are they doing? Yes. So they try to run him over with the plane. And he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) They're trying to kill me. (laughs) So he gets up and the plane like banks and comes back around, tries to run him over again. He jumps down into a ditch and then they shoot at him this time. He's like, what the fuck? I got to get out of (laughs) here. I'm in the middle of bumfuck Indiana. There is nothing around but empty cornfields because all almost all of the the fields have been cut down. Yeah. You know, it's after harvest. Like there's just this little copse of fucking, uh, corn left like a hundred yards away. Yeah. She's like, fuck, I got to get to this corn, hide in the corn. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes to the corn and he's like, hiding in the corn. The plane makes a pass. Doesn't see him. And it's like, you know what? I'm a crop dusting plane with this fucking terrible shit that I drop on these crops. <laughs> I'm going to crop dust these crops and fucking kill him with, with fucking bug pesticides. Or pesticides or whatever. <laughs> so he's down in there and they, they fucking crop dust him and he's like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up out of there and he runs out into the road and there's a fucking tanker truck, a fuel fuel truck coming and he just stands out in front of the truck and he's like don't hit me please and they take forever to stop in fact so long that they tap him and he falls down and it rolls over the top of him at this point the plane was coming to take him out again and they can't course correct fast enough (laughs) and they run into the side of the tanker and blow up totally a bond movie moment oh yeah 100 (laughs) percent But they run into the back of the fucking truck, and it was a two-tanker truck. The guys get out. He gets out from underneath the truck. They're like, are you okay? And he's like, are you guys okay? And they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here, because this is going to blow up. And then a bunch of people pull up, go in the other direction, 
and stop and they're like oh my god is everyone all right <laughs> and they're just watching this fucking tanker truck burn and about to blow up the second tank and roger's standing with them like these people are all super fucking distracted and they left their cars on i'm out <laughs> <laughs> but he steals the truck, he steals the truck. with <laughs> the fridge in the back not the car behind it <laughs> that was beautiful beautiful so he drives this truck with a fridge in it back to chicago and he's like i gotta i gotta catch kaplan at this hotel that he was supposed to be in this is bullshit yeah they tell him that kaplan checked out it's like mother fucker at seven at seven but then he's like wait a minute how did i get a fucking note from him from this hotel where she called him at at 9.30 in the morning. If he caught, if he checked out at 7 in the morning. Oh, she's full of shit. God damn it. She's been in on it from the start. She gave me bullshit instructions to go get killed by these other motherfuckers. <laughs> that bitch. And he was like, that bitch turns around. He didn't say any of that stuff. But that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. He turns around. And there she is. Walking into the hotel. Gets into the elevator. He's like, oh, I'm going to fuck that bitch up. And he watches. She gets off on the fourth floor. She's like, hey, I was here to meet Eve Ken Kendall. I know she's in room four something. Uh, can you tell me what room it is? So the guy tells him what room it is. He goes up there. Knock, knock. She lets him in. He's like, what's up, bitch? <laughs> he plays it off. Like he doesn't know. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what happened. Um, she tries to get rid of him. And at that point, I was kind of like, why the fuck is she trying to get rid of him? But we figure that out later. She's just like, you need to leave. Just leave. Just leave and like disappear into the ether. That's what you need to do. But he won't do it. No. Because at this point, it's vengeance. He yeah. has a target. He's now. vested. He's vested. So he's like, oh, all right, I'm going to get my, we're going to go to dinner. And she's like, I have a thing. She's like, no, we're going to dinner. She's like, okay. She's like, all right, I'm going to have my suit pressed and stuff and clean because I'm covered in pesticides and Indiana dirt. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to take a shower. She's like, okay. So he sends, a, he calls for a guy, gives them his suit, and he's like in the, in the bathroom, shower's running. And she like... Well, first she got a phone call about like where she was supposed to go for her thing. And she wrote it down and put it in her purse. And you see that she has a gun in her purse. Yeah. Um, but she wrote it on one of those pads that's in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know if this was the first thing this was in. I don't know either. I don't know where, where this trope came from. Yeah. But she leaves... When she wasn't supposed to leave, she's yeah. like ditching him. But he was faking it. He wasn't actually taking his shower. He was like, he had the door cracked and he's watching her fucking leave. Yeah. So he comes out and he starts getting dressed and he's getting ready to go. Um, and he does the, the, I wonder if archaeologists did it first. Oh, maybe. But it's the, the pencil on the pad th trick where if somebody writes something on the pad and takes the paper, they leave an indentation of what they wrote. Yeah. And he uses a pencil and he scratches, he flat 
pencils it so that you can see what the yeah because you don't go down into the indentation so you can read the negative um so he goes where she went and it's an auction and she's there with the guy that tried to kill him and he's like i fucking got you i got all of you and there's a bunch of people there and they're auctioning off like uh art pieces right and he comes yeah. and he's like still maintaining <laughs> that he's not <laughs> not kaplan and they're like well i mean you're not very convincing you've like followed us around and <laughs> figured all this shit out that's very spy like of you mr <laughs> thornhill and he's like God damn it. I'm only doing it because you guys are trying to kill me. <laughs> and uh, he gets all up in uh, Eve's shit because they had that romantic evening and he really thought there was something there and she just like spit in his face and was trying to kill him and she's a piece of shit. Yeah. And it's pissing off the other guy because she's supposed to be his mistress. Right. Which he didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Yeah, he hadn't put together that she was the... Right. Yeah. She, she he just was like, yeah, she works for you. Um, so while they're talking, an item comes up for bid, and uh, the bad guy, what the fuck is his name? Van Dam. <laughs> Another one of my favorite scenes out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where he figures out what his name is? Or where he no, like where does all the bidding the, shit. Where he does all the oh, bidding yeah. stuff. Oh, we're getting there. Uh, so Van Dam like buys this thing while they're talking, and it's like really awkward because they're because like his second his like right hand man is like, hey 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 hey, bid on this thing, and he's like, oh yeah, I know we're talking, but hey, six hundred, and yeah. you're like, what the fuck? He's just like nonchalantly while like tearing down Thornhill. He's like buying this thing. That's super weird. Yeah. Uh, but it's important because it's Hitchcock. Yep. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Everything's important. Um, he doesn't like to hold on to the foreshadowing for that long, though. No. He's like in the act maybe before or yeah. like the scene before. We'll yeah. foreshadow the thing and then the thing will happen. Yeah. But I won't foreshadow a thing in the beginning of the movie and then it'll happen at the end. Yeah. Not a lot. Where that's that's like a lot of what more modern stuff does. Yeah. But um so they buy this thing and he's like, Well, you know, my guys are here, so if you leave, you're they're gonna kill you. And he's like, Oh maybe I won't leave by myself then. So he goes and he sits and he starts being a shithead at this auction. <laughs> he's like, Hey, how do we know that's not fake? <laughs> They're like, excuse me, sir. If you're not bidding, don't don't speak out. And they're like, uh, you know, twelve. And he's like, yeah, thirteen dollars. And they're like, no, it's twelve thousand, sir, or twelve hundred, or whatever. And he's like, no, that that's not worth that much. That's not worth that much. Thirteen dollars. They're like, no, what? And like the the auction guy gets bewildered, and he's like, wait, what were we at? Yeah. <laughs> they're like eleven hundred. So the next one is twelve. Okay. Do I have 12? He's like, 
okay, 2000. And they're like, what? The bid is 1100. You only need to go to 2000. I said 2000. They're like, no, sir, that's not how this 2500. Like, sir, you don't have, you're bidding against yourself. Like, we're not taking your first 3000. <laughs> sir, please, we're going to have to call security. Call security. Oh my God, my money's no good. <laughs> He's just raising shit because he wants to get arrested. Yeah. So the cops come and he like knocks a dude out. Just a random dude that's like, you need to shut the fuck up. And he's like, you shut the fuck up. Bam. <laughs> You're running my auction. Yeah. So he fights this one guy and then uh, he gets arrested. And <laughs> he's talking to the cops and he's like, oh man, you guys, you guys lucked out. And they're like, what the fuck? You're drunk. He's like, no, actually, I'm not drunk right now. Leave me alone. But I'm a murderer and you just caught me. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, I'm the guy that killed the dude at the UN. <laughs> and they're like, what? So they, f they figure it out and they're like, oh, hell yeah. We just got a great collar. We're going to make the news, boys. And so they call the station house to be like, hey, we're bringing this guy in. He says he's this guy. We have his ID. It says that's who it is. Blah, blah, blah. We're, we're taking this collar. We want credit. And the station house is like, don't bring him here. <laughs> and he's, the guy's like, what? Take him to the airport. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do it. That's an order. So he like turns down a road he's not supposed to turn down. His partner's like, where the fuck are we going? He's like, we're going to the airport. Roger's like, Excuse the fuck out of me? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> I'm going to the airport. Why are we going to the airport? Ah, it's orders. <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm gonna get killed by the fucking airport. God damn it! <laughs> so he goes to the airport, and uh, one of the guys from DC shows up. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Who are you? And they like go out onto the tarmac. He's like, all right, we got to catch a plane. And he's like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? Are you FBI? And he's like, he says some alphabet shit, which I loved that. Yeah. He's like CIA, FBI. Well, we're all part of the same alphabet soup. Yeah. <laughs> which is totally like a fucking diss on all of the alphabet agencies now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if it was a diss then too. I don't know. But like, you know, Right-wing people call, like, the ATF alphabet and FBI alphabet boys and shit like that. Yeah. So it was like, that's interesting. Did that come from this? Is it just, like, <laughs> a congruent thing that two people came up with that's similar? I don't know. But anyway, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, but he's basically like, hey, so uh, we need you to keep being Kaplan. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck you? I'm not Kaplan. Get Kaplan to be Kaplan. And he's, they're like, the Kaplan doesn't exist. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So what do you need me to be Kaplan for? I'm not like getting you any information. I'm just trying not to get killed by these people. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're not the only agent working for us. And you were decoy. Kaplan was a decoy and you're proving to be a better decoy. Only you just fucked up. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? So then he tells him that Eve is the other agent. Yeah. And that when he went and confronted Eve and found Van Damme and confronted them both together, he cast suspicion on Eve. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. 
Well, I actually did like banging her. I'd like to maybe do it again. I should probably try and help save her. Uh, yeah. So he was going to say no. He's going to say, go fuck yourself. I'll take my chances with the fucking boys in blue. But when he could get off and he could get off, <laughs> he's going to take the chance. So he takes the chance, and he goes to South Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Well, before that, after he explains all that to him, we get too close to the plane to really hear anything they're saying. Yeah. Which was magnificent. Yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck? Why is this inaudible? Yeah. <laughs> Subtitles don't even have yeah. fucking dialogue there, for There's me. a whole bit of dialogue that you don't get unless you like read lips, and I don't know what the fuck they said. Yeah. Um. So they get on the plane, they go to they go to South Dakota. And you don't get let in on what the plan is, but he's somehow supposed to take the suspicion off of Eve by talking to Van Damme again. Yeah. So they're at this like uh this tourist spot in front of Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Uh and He's like, I don't know, this is fucking, uh, this is crazy, I don't know if I can do it. And the guy's like, well, if you don't do it, then she's probably dead and you're still wanted for murder. He's like, God, fuck you, dude. <laughs> All right, fine. All right, let's do this. So they go in. Van Dam comes in with Eve and his right-hand man. And he's like, I don't want her here. Roger's like, I don't want Eve here. So she goes off and you see... The other guy, the professor, was the name of the guy from the alphabet soup. Yeah. Uh, he goes over and talks to Eve real quick. And you don't, like, it's just kind of like a background thing. Yeah. During another part. Like, yeah. So if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. Yeah, for sure. But he, like, goes in and intercepts her. And you're like, what the fuck? What's going on here? Um. Oh, also, like, at the very beginning of the movie is the, is the, uh, the Hitchcock cameo. Um. Mm. But, uh, so he's talking to Van Damme and he's basically like, I want you, I know what, what you're doing. I know where you're going and I know when you're leaving. If you don't want me to stop you, you should give me Eve so I can kill her for fucking with my head. Yeah. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> he's like. I don't know that you could stop me. And what makes you think I care so little for her that I would just give her to you? And he's like, well, it didn't seem like you were too happy about her slobbing my knob on the train. <laughs> so this is all paraphrasing guys. Whenever I say crazy shit, that would never be in a fifties movie. Just <laughs> assume. assume that it's not actually what they said. Dude, but if Carrie Grant would have said that, I would have died. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's where that came from. <laughs> All right. Um, polishing his silverware. I saw that in a fucking, uh, <laughs> there was a, a bit of a, Spider-Man comic. This is super random, but I'm talking about it anyway. There's a bit of a Spider-Man comic I read on Reddit today where apparently uh something happened with Peter. He was he was at Tony's mansion or at one of his buildings mm -hmm. and uh Mary Jane came there to see him, but she was met by Tony and like a paparazzi took pictures. Yeah. And made it seem like MJ was cheating on Peter with Tony. <laughs> and uh 
Tony brings Peter to her and she says something about like, she says something to Peter uh, about like, Hey, it's not what it looked like, you know? And she was going to say, I wasn't polishing his whatever. Yeah. And, and like Tony walks in with like aunt may and Jarvis and she's like, and he's like silverware (laughs) and there's this whole thing. And then May and Jarvis are to, are like holding hands, and I was like, "When did that happen?" I don't know how old this issue was. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Tony had compromising pictures of the of the paparazzi and took them to him, and he's like, "Look, you come at me, I come at we- I come at you with like." infrared and night vision <laughs> and I will find anything that you're doing that's weird or wrong and I will release it on every social media and on every TV station because I'm a fucking billionaire and you're a piece of shit yeah. so please stop retract everything that you said and go to hell and they're like okay sorry <laughs> but anyway uh, so he's you know he's like you know we had sex and you you were obviously upset about that so just let me have her and she'll she'll be punished for everything that she's done and he's kind of like uh, I don't know about that so then she comes back while they're having this conversation and they're like all right well, we're going to leave and Roger grabs Eve and he's like no she's staying with me and the other two guys kind of back off because they're criminals. They don't want need to be a part of a scene. Yeah. In a fucking tourist place. Yeah. Because he also has a house here. If so they're not like leaving this area yeah. in the next hour. If so, you're if you're not on the up and up, the things you do in public need to be on the up and up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to like get in a fight with some random people like a mile from your house that you're going to have to stay in for the next 10 hours before a plane shows up to take you out of the country. Yeah. Or you if know. you're driving around with a thousand pounds of drugs, you should probably make sure the car is legal. <laughs> yeah. Legal, you know, everything's in order. You're going the speed limit or at least like going with traffic, blah, 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 all that dumb shit. Anyway. So, uh, Roger starts this shit with Eve and he's like, you're staying with me. I'm going to take care of you. Not in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, fuck this. And she pulls the gun out of her purse and shoots him. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. Roger's dead. Fuck. So then she runs out and and Van Damme and his right hand are just like, all right, let's go home. <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We don't need to be seen around this shit deuces uh so they leave and the professor comes over and is like oh no this motherfucker's dead and everybody's like oh no so then he must be a doctor yeah he must be a doctor <laughs> he's like an old man in like a pea coat with a hat on he's a doctor um so then they take him out in an ambulance that i thought was funny it was like a it was like a wagon ambulance thing that was also like it said that it was from the department of interior and shit yeah they had some neat tagging on it i liked that yeah um so they drive off into the woods and they're like (laughs) all right coast is clear so he gets up uh there's blanks and eve is there and they're like oh my god i'm so sorry for everything i said i'm sorry for everything i said dear and you know (laughs) 
Uh, and he's like, let's go away together. And she's like, oh, he didn't tell you? And he's like, he didn't tell me what? And she's got to go with Van Damme to the other country and continue feeding this government agency information. She also tells Roger that she was not actually an agent. She was Van Damme's mistress first. And then they came to her and told her that she needed to give them information. Yeah. And told him what a piece of shit he was. So she was just an informant. She wasn't even actually an agent. Yeah. And they're making her take all these risks and shit. And he gets pissed off, but she's like, I have to do what I have to do. And she takes off and he's like, no, God damn it. And the other guy that was with the professor decks him. They take him to the hospital where he's supposed to be in critical condition, but they just like have him in a locked room. And he's like, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, professor talks to him for a minute and like, he's like, you want to have a drink with me? Yeah. I forgot about all about that bitch. I'm, I'm a man from the fifties. I don't care about women. And the professor's like, "That's a good, good. I'm glad. Let's. I'm. I'll. You. I'll drink to that. Yeah. So he leaves to go get a bottle of whatever. I don't remember bourbon. Probably again. Uh, and he's like, "Fuck that motherfucker. I'm gonna go help this girl." And he's like trying to get out. And the, of course, the professor locked the door behind him again. It's like, okay, the, the window's not locked. Uh, fuck, I'm on like the third floor. Uh, okay, well, I'll go along this ledge to the next window. I'll open it up. And he gets in there. And he just like slams the window open and jumps in the room because it's dark. And the light turns on and this girl's like, stop! And he's like, what? No. Fuck you, bitch. And then and then she's not here for you. No, she puts <laughs> it gets worse because she puts her glasses on and they continue the Cary Grant is hotter than fuck thing. Cause she's like, oh, stop. And he's like, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then he like leaves. She's like, God damn. Dude has like animal magnetism, apparently. Yeah. Um, all these hoes are thirsty for the Cary Grant dick. Um, which, I mean, uh, okay. That was a thing uh, of the times. I guess. Cary I mean, Grant he was dick. an attractive dude. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, like, this dude just jumped in your window, <laughs> and you put your glasses on, and you're like, mm, what? <laughs> Is this a mental hospital? <laughs> Dude, the characterization of women in most movies from this time is absolutely absurd. Oh, yeah, it's absurd. Uh, anyway. Uh, so then he goes. We're in the third act, right? So he goes. We get to the fucking bad guy's lair. Uh, we find out that at some point, I don't remember when, that there there was microfilm. Oh, when he's talking to her before she leaves. Yeah. And he gets decked by the fake Mountie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, fake park ranger. Uh, the thing that he bought at the auction, the thing that Van Damme bought at the auction, has microfilm of whatever the fuck yeah. he's he's stealing, se- government secrets that he's stealing. Uh, it's about the microfilm. <laughs> it's the rock all over again. <laughs> um, it's whoever killed JFK before JFK died. Uh <laughs> So uh, it's it's film of JFK's murder several years before JFK was murdered. <laughs> Dude, that'd be Hitchcockian as fuck. Yeah, you didn't hear him say that. <laughs> um, 
So he goes to help her, and it's like this crazy-ass house that's on top of Mount Rushmore, which is awesome. That also has an airstrip on top of Mount Rushmore, which is yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was just a plateau, but it's not. It's a mountain. So <laughs> it's fucking weird. Um, but the house is super cool. It's like on a cantilever over over the edge of the mountain and stuff. Um, so they're talking and stuff and shit happens and he's like trying to get into the house to get to her. Uh, his right hand man, the Van Damme's right hand man figures out that she didn't actually kill Roger, that she's a, a double agent uh, because he took her gun and found out it had blanks in it. And he shows this to Van Damme extremely dramatically instead yeah. of just telling him. <laughs> he pulls this gun on him and shoots him with the blanks. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so they're going to drop her out of the plane at over water on their way to Canada because they're not even going anywhere crazy. They're just going to Canada. But whatever. Because um, if the Mounties found them, they totally wouldn't give them back to us. <laughs> I don't know what the relations between Canada and the U.S. were in the 50s, but whatever. Not war. Yeah, not war. <laughs> but um, so uh, they're going to kill her. He finds this out, and he's like, okay, well, I super have to save her now. I was already here to save her, but now I have to super save her. He doesn't stop her from getting on the plane or from leaving the house. He, like, gives her a note on a matchbook that they foreshadowed earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, that they're going to kill her. Um... He talks to her for a second, but she's like, I have to go with him. I can't just, like, stay in my room. <laughs> uh, and he's like, okay, I'll I'll stop you somehow. Um, so after they leave the house, Roger is trying to get out of the house so he can run out there and stop them. The maid sees him in the reflection on the TV, and she pulls gun on him. And they're at the, they're the other, everyone else is at the plane. They're about to get on the plane when they hear gunshots and he comes out and he's like, God damn it. I'm so stupid. It took me forever to realize that she was holding your gun with the fucking blanks in it. I just sat there like an idiot waiting for her to shoot me, uh, which is almost verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they take Van Damme's car and they try to drive away, but the gate is locked. And for some reason he didn't just drive through it probably because it was like, yeah, it looks like Six a pretty hefty door. <laughs> Oak timbers, probably. Yeah. Uh, so then they abandon the car and they just like run off into the woods on top of the mountain. And then they get, they figure out they fucked up. They ran towards the monument part of the mountain. And then they try to climb down that part of the mountain while the other guys are chasing them. And uh, then there's like a climactic kind of fight thing. Uh, the first guy uh, tries to get uh, Roger and they like roll around and he tosses him off and then she slips and is hanging on by her hand fingers Yeah, and he's trying to help her and he asks the other guy when he comes down to help them. It's like, are you dumb? Have you not figured <laughs> out that these guys are trying to kill both of you? Yeah. 
And he does the classic, I'm going to step on your hand while you're hanging on by just one hand. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing that, and Roger's about to have to let let go, and he just gets shot. The other dude gets shot, and he falls off the mountain. Yeah. And it's like a random park ranger that just shot this dude from like 200 yards away down a mountain <laughs> with a revolver. <laughs> what a fucking beast. Yeah. Professor's there, too. <laughs> Professor's there, too. He's the one that got them to show up. Yeah. Um. So, then the, this is where the movie falls off. Because, like, Hitchcock doesn't know how to end a movie, I think. Or didn't know how to end a movie. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a running theme for the time. I don't know. I'll have to watch more classic cinema, but... Mm. But it's literally like, oh, hey, I'm trying to help her up. And he pulls her up and then he's pulling her up into the bed at the top, the like the extra bed in in the train car. Yeah. Like everything happened. Everybody's fine. We've moved on. Now we're on a train going somewhere and they're married now or something. But that's literally, it's like literally like he pulls her up into the bed and they're like, they say something about me being married or something. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Kind of ends abruptly. It ends so abruptly. Yeah. I also feel like there's like a lot of restriction. And I've heard this said otherwise in other people talking about, um, Hitchcock, and I think we might have said it too. Um, yeah. He was restricted by the times. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as like what was allowed in a movie yeah. then, um, ratings, technologically, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think like, I think that movie was supposed to end with her dying. I think she was supposed to fall off. I fully expected it to because it did not I don't I don't feel like it had a like a Hitchcockian ending. Yeah, it was like, like way too happy of an ending and it also yeah. felt super tacked on. Like the yeah. abrupt ending should have been her falling and him watching her fall. Yeah. And that was the abrupt ending. Yeah, that would have felt like Hitchcock. That's what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah. He pulls her up into the train car and I was like that was fucking weird. Yeah. Also, Maz uh like I, I like that idea, like that cut idea where you're just cutting the whole scene but it's like the same motions and stuff like in a yeah it's a good unbearable weight of massive talent yeah it's a good uh like segue yeah device but like that ending didn't feel right it was way too abrupt yeah didn't make sense yeah, we went from being like oh fuck to oh my god I'm supposed to be happy now for them I in in zero seconds for 12 seconds <laughs> yeah and then credits yeah i was like what the fuck just happened to this movie <laughs> the end was just an ass pull yeah literally um yeah but i mean otherwise i think this movie is fucking awesome yeah, no, I th I thought this movie was fantastic. The ending did feel weird, but I mean, aside from that, like, 
I thoroughly, I was like enjoying the entire movie. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it was two hours and 15 minutes. No, it didn't. I was very much like, oh shit, I didn't even look at the runtime on this before I hit play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> and then it, it was great the whole time. And I was like, oh, except for like the last 30 seconds. And then I was just like, oh, 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 it's over. So that I didn't have to suffer that too long. But now I'm just like, ah, uh, do the previous two hours matter? <laughs> um, it was really strange how it ended. But like the rest of the movie was very good. Like, um, obviously there's some like effects stuff, but like it's literally over 60 years old so giving it a lot of a lot of leeway there yeah um for the most part it looked good yeah um but like <clears throat> i don't know there's not like really a lot to complain about like there's the portrayal of women like they're either like nagging deceitful or hoes yeah and I don't, so <clears throat> Cassie had asked me a question at one point during the movie. And because he's like, he's like leading Eve around, mm. and, like by the arm, like which looks forceful. Mm. And she was like, why, like, why is he doing that? And I was like, you just have to watch more old movies. It's always like that. And like, it, like all, all these movies like when the guy like they, he just like grabs it i don't know if it grabs was like a woman by the arm and yeah, just, just leads like, grabs around. her by the arm and like leads her even when they both know they're going to the same place mm -hmm. and it's so weird I, I i'm assuming that was like a society thing like it happened like literally get a hold of your bitch literally yeah like <laughs> yeah i'm assuming it that's literally how it was and it was considered some sort of like uh uh, what is that manner like it was like yeah considered to be to, uh, not arm in arm you're talking about literally grabbing their arm and leading them around by it yeah yeah, yeah. not like loop not like yeah. an arm loop like with your hand wrapping it around their bicep and jerking them around yeah in the and, direction that you're going yeah and that, yeah that's like that would be so weird to do now like i would never do that to her yeah like if i wanted like i would grab her by the hand and be like hey let's go or let's go do this thing or whatever, right? Like yeah. that feels like the more mannered thing to do now. Yeah. The only reason to do that is like emergency situation. They're not paying attention to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on this be... way. And you yeah. just like grab them by both arms and you're like, turn. Okay. Now run with me. Okay. And I'm letting go. Yeah. So like, or at least holding your hand maybe to make sure we don't get divided. Yeah. Some sort, some sort of urgency thing. Yeah. So not just like, like we're walking through the mall or something or yeah. just walking down the street and i've just got you by the arm don't you're not getting away from me yeah like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah not, not gonna let some other guy snag you up like you're mine like yeah, yeah it's super weird and like it's it is very off-putting in these like older movies when they do that but mm. i don't know if it was a society thing like i kind of assume it was in a society thing or if it was something that they were like because of the portrayal of women in these older movies, if it was more of a, well, like we think women are like meandering all the time and like taking their well, time with everything. So like, I don't know if it was, you know, when they, they have to wear a corset to have a 16 inch waist and they can't breathe, <laughs> they, you know, have a lack of oxygen. So then they, they, they need to be led around. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're literally dying. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
But I don't I don't know. It's fucking weird because like a lot of the movies that we've watched this month have been like that. Yeah. And like none of the char- the female characters were like there was like two. And I think they were both in rear window. Where they had like th- their own attitude and their own agency and like they did yeah. stuff that you know and that was uh the nurse Mm-hmm. The insurance nurse, I can't remember her name. And then uh, the character, the girlfriend, what the fuck was her name? Uh, I don't remember. Grace Kelly's Grace her Kelly played her. name. Yeah. But those characters, like, did stuff. They actually did stuff that the male characters were not telling them to do. And, like, said yeah. smart things and shit like that. Yeah. Where, like, you know, in this movie... Eve was just kind of being drug around and taken advantage of by whoever was taking advantage of her. Uh, and she cried when she needed to cry because she was damsel in distress and stuff. Right. Yeah. And then, um, his mom was just like a nagging bitch. Yeah. Because that's how Hitchcock sees his mom. I don't know. Yeah. Like I mean, that I, was just like, this is a mom character. I mean, the nurse character was kind of a mom character and she was pretty naggy too. Yeah, but she was like also like smart mouthed and stuff. Yeah. There's more more real character to that character. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I do agree with that. Um She seemed like a real person where this mom was like a caricature of someone's mom. Yeah. Right? And Probably then, Hitchcock's. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But like and then that random chick in the hospital that was just like, Ooh, stop. Like, no, nah, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this guy just broke into your room and you're like Oh, now that I have my glasses on, you're hot enough to stay. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I feel, I definitely feel like, like, so it's, you know, it's been talked about and like Hitchcock was n- notorious for not necessarily having a lot of respect for women. Sure. And so like, I, I like over the course of these four films, like I could see where like the only woman that showed up that was like, no, fuck you was Grace Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, I mean, I guess if you're going to stand up to me. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, this movie was pretty cool. I liked a lot of the dialogue. Some of the acting was kind of clunky, like the all the henchmen and stuff were yeah, real corny. But like yeah. Cary Grant was awesome. Yeah, Eve was good with what she was given. Van Damme yeah. was like a great mustache twirling villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the professor as like a government guy that doesn't actually give a shit about anyone yeah. and is just using them is like really well done yeah um i mean that was pretty much all the parts in the movie so (laughs) like yeah i'd like i'd dock this for the ending for the the portrayal of women especially the mom character um yeah i think uh maybe the most boring car chase scene just because it was the 50s and they couldn't do better yeah it was funny. But that fucking plane scene. The plane scene was great. Dude. I loved the plane scene. Like, I was just fucking, I was fucking giggling and like, I, it was still tense, even though it was like hilarious. Like, and and when they flew over and went to crop dust him, I was 100% like, I was like, oh my God, he's going to get pesticided. Yeah. Oh my God, he got pesticided. <laughs> Let me keep talking about it. I was just. Oh, okay. Um, 
But yeah, like the movie as a whole, like I, it was, it was, it was really good. Um, there are lots of, lots of little scenes that I really enjoyed. Uh, my two favorite scenes being the, uh, the airplane scene and fuck the other scene I said was my favorite scene. Oh, I loved the airplane, the inaudible dialogue and mm. like that, that whole scene was fucking great. And there were so many little, little great things about the movie that made it so great. And then the overarc of the movie being just pretty fucking great in general. Uh, I had like, some of it reminded me of, uh, uh, Catch Me If You Can with mm. uh, Tom Hanks and DiCaprio. Yeah. And then, it, like you said, like Bond, like it had some Bond vibes for not being a Bond movie. Like, it, it was pretty good. Um, there wasn't... It, what I thought was interesting, though, was like it was pretty straightforward, like aside from like, you know, the mystery of who's the agent. Yeah. And like all the Kaplan stuff. Like, it was pretty straightforward. There wasn't a lot of like super deep dialogue this one felt more like uh really good like sarcastic like kind of like comedy lines um, yeah but i was into that too and then like all the little stuff just really like built this movie up like the establishing he's an alcoholic and like the whole bit you know he's he's pretty drunk probably shouldn't be driving but uh it's probably the only reason he was able to was because of the amount of alcohol he's consumed throughout his life so like that was pretty good the matchbook i really enjoyed and then the gun having like just reoccurring moments after it was introduced was amusing to me hmm But yeah, but I didn't get a whole lot of like necessary, necessary like depth. Necessarily, I didn't necessarily get a whole lot of like depth out of the movie. No, because it was just kind of like, hey, this is. It's just kind of like a dramatic thriller thing that yeah. didn't have like a point necessarily. Yeah, which which is fine. Like it was still enjoyable. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it knew what it was, so that was good. But yeah, I liked it. Do we want to go down to the corner? Yeah. Let's go down to Shane's trivia corner. Shane's tr- 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 trivia corner. I'm oh my god! Not nearly as good as that. Wow. <laughs> Where the point of this corner is for you to say, "Oh, neat." Yeah, I know go. that one. <laughs> That's your part. Uh, while filming Vertigo, nineteen fifty-eight. Uh. Hitchcock describes some of the plot of his project to frequent Hitchcock leading man and Vertigo star James Stewart, who naturally assumed that Hitchcock meant to, ca- meant to cast him in the Roger Thornhill role and was eager to play it. Actually, Hitchcock wanted Cary Grant to play the role, and by the time Hitchcock realized the misunderstanding, Stewart was so anxious to play Thornhill that rejecting him would have caused a great deal of disappointment. So Hitchcock delayed production of the movie until Stewart was already safely committed to filming Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder, 1959, before officially, in air quotes, offering him the role in the movie. Stewart had no choice but to turn down the role, allowing Hitchcock to cast Grant. The actor he had won it all along. There's another one. What the fuck? Yeah, there's another <laughs> one that talks about this. Uh, 
shit where to go. Um Jeez, I looked through so many of these trying to find that one about the fucking crop dusting thing. Oh, yeah, so James Stewart was very interested in the role, uh, begging Hitchcock to let him play it. Uh, Hitchcock claimed that Vertigo's lack of financial success was because Stewart looked too old and MGM wanted Gregory Peck, but Hitchcock instead wanted Cary Grant, who ironically was actually four years older than Stewart. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Hollywood. Um, I'm reading these out of order and it's fucking crazy. Um, he couldn't get permission to film inside the UN. So footage was made of the exterior of the building using a hidden camera and the rooms were later recreated on a soundstage. Huh? Yeah. Uh, this movie has been referred to as the first James Bond film due to its similarities with splashily, splashily uh, colorful. <laughs> what a terrible sentence. Settings, secret agents, and an elegant, daring, wisecracking leading man opposite a sinister yet strangely charming villain. The crop duster scene inspired the helicopter chase in From Russia with Love, 1963, and other Bond, and another Bond nod to this film is the person in a couchette scene used in a slightly different way in the 1973 007 film Live and Let Die. Um, holy shit. Van Damme remarks in the Rapid City, South Dakota house scene that the plane taking them out of the country should touch down in no more than 10 minutes. It is exactly 10 minutes in real time when they see the plane landing on the landing strip. Nice. That's fucking neat. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, Hitchcock filmed Cary Grant's entrance into the United Nations building from across the street with a hidden camera. When he gets to the top of the stairs, a man about to walk down does a double take upon seeing the movie star. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on, Hitchcock. In the DVD commentary, Eva Marie Saint recounts how Sir Alfred Hitchcock, dissatisfied with the costumes the studio had designed for her, marched her to Bergdorf Goodman and personally picked out clothes for her to wear. (laughs) Damn. Uh, the scene where the crop duster is chasing and shooting at Thornhill was filmed with a real plane while the shot where the plane crashes into the fuel truck was done using large models of both the truck and the plane. Um. Holy shit. What the fuck? Rather than go to the expense of shooting in a South Dakota woodland, Sir Alfred Hitchcock planted 100 Ponderosa Pines on an MGM soundstage. How was that cheaper? How was that cheaper? (laughs) What? (laughs) No way. Less than eight feet of film was cut from the final release. Eight feet is about five seconds or 120 frames. Oh, wow. Jesus. 
What? Thornhill appears on the left side of the screen for almost the entire movie. What? That's fucking weird. Why? What? <laughs> oh, hey, we got a $2 thing. <laughs> Roger Thornhill's mother tells him jokingly, pay the $2 after he futilely attempts to shed light on his kidnapping and be exonerated from his DWI charge. The line is a reference to a Depression-era Willie Howard vaudeville sketch written by Billy K. Wells. A man is in court to pay a $2 fine for spitting on the stubway, but his lawyer insists on fighting the case. As the lawyer incurs greater and greater sentences, his defendant keeps pleading, pay the $2. <laughs> the sketch also appeared in Ziegfeld Foley's 1945 with uh, Edward Arnold portraying the attorney. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, this one's super long, but I don't know if it pays off or not. I'm going to read it anyway, and you can cut it if it's not worth a shit. All right. Uh, in numerous interviews, so I didn't realize this. Is that who I think it is? Hold on. Hold on. Hold it. Okay, it is. I got to get back to that one. It's really long, but I can find it super fast. I did. Um, in numerous interviews, Martin Landau, who played uh, Leonard, the right hand, yeah, said that he made a decision on his own to play the character of Leonard as gay and in love with Philip Van Damme. In an October 2012 interview with Devin Ferrasi, Landau said that he was cast in the movie when Sir Alfred Hitchcock saw me in a play called Middle of the Night. Patty Chayefsky's uh, first Broadway play with Edward G. Robinson, which I toured with after the Broadway run. He was there opening night. I played a very macho guy, 180 degrees from Leonard, who I chose to play as a homosexual very subtly because he wanted to get rid of Eva Marie Saint with such a vengeance. James Mason, to the day he died... He became a friend of mine. The most often asked question of James was whether Van Damme, his character, was bisexual. He said, no, he wasn't, but Landau made a choice, and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I actually caused him some grief. Everyone told me not to do that because it was my first big movie and people would think I was gay. I'm an actor. I said I, it wasn't going to be my last movie, and it certainly wasn't. I've never played a character like that since. I also felt it was something people would know or not know. It was very subtle. I thought in Boise, Idaho, they might not know I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Landau also said that after he made the decision to play Leonard as gay, Hitchcock and screenwriter Ernest uh, Lehman were very supportive of the idea. Ernie Lehman uh, added a line which was not in the script. Call it my woman's intuition. Uh, was not in the original script. It was a very daring line. For the 50s, men didn't say things like that. Hitchcock loved what I did and left me alone. Hmm. He, there's another line that he says, which also ties into the real world, that 
kind of goes with that. When Martin Landau first sees Cary Grant, he says he's a well-tailored one. And all of Landau's suits for this movie were all were also made by Grant's personal tailor. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty neat. Yeah. That was a twofer. Yeah. Um I got one more. One more. Well Bo. The house near the end of the movie was not real. Ooh, that house is cool. <laughs> uh, Hitchcock asked the set designers to make the set resemble a house by Frank Lloyd Wright. Well, that's why I thought it was cool. Uh, the most popular architect in America at the time, using the materials, form, and interiors associated with him. The set was built in Culver City, California, where MGA, MGM Studios were located. House exteriors were matte paintings. I love matte paintings in movies. Yeah. Like... You know all the Star Wars stuff. Did we talk about the Star Wars stuff? I feel like we did in Trivia Corner. Where like a lot of the backgrounds and stuff were matte paintings. Oh yeah. Like the perspective shots like the inside of the Death Star where it's like, how big was that soundstage? It's not. It's yeah. a painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing paintings, but it was a painting. Yeah. There was a shot like that in uh, uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, really? When it pulls out and you see that the titty twister is actually like the top of a Mayan temple. Oh, yeah. That's a matte painting. Oh. If you look, if you watch cool. it on like a big screen HD, you can see that it's matte painting. Yeah. Like some of it doesn't look very right. realistic, but yeah. like when you're just watching it, like when it came out, it was like, damn, that's a cool set. Yeah. Huh. It's a painting. That's neat. Yeah. I said the thing. You said the thing. That means I can stop. <laughs> this has been Shane's Trivia Corner. Sh -sh -sh Shane's Trivia Corner. And you got to say the other thing, too. Ooh, neat. All right, let's rate this thing. Let's rate it. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Ending was weird. Yeah. Some weird characterizations of women in it. Yeah. And not really any depth. Yeah. Movie was awesome otherwise. Yeah. So eight and a half. What do you got? What you said? <laughs> it's fair. Uh yeah, I mean I was gonna rate it eight and a half. Um the only thing I'd add was that uh, I mean I already said it, but the pacing, like I was super into the pacing of the movie. Yeah. Pacing was good. Yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, good flick. I would definitely recommend it to anyone that can. I know there's some people that can't, like, can't go back and watch old cinema, but like, you know, if you can stomach old cinema, like, definitely give this a watch. Yeah. I mean, I've watched like some 70s movies and stuff, but I don't think I'd ever gone back and watched something this old other than like, you know, like the the holiday classics. Like yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. The old Miracle on 34th Street, stuff like that. Yeah. I've watched that old of a movie. But I was like a kid. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't my choice to watch it. Yeah. So I've seen I've seen like a couple things that are this old. Uh like I've I seen Casablanca. Casablanca uh, yeah. I've seen Gone with the Wind. I don't I don't think Gone with the Wind is sixties. Mm, I don't remember. No, it's probably older than that actually. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember when Gone with the Wind was. Um Yeah, I've seen those. Uh I still don't think I've seen Citizen Kane. I need to watch it. Um, Gone with the Wind was 1939. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's the oldest movie I've seen, probably. No, that's not true. I've seen Wizard of Oz. 
One was Wizard of Oz. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I want to say that was like 32. Same year. Oh, same year. 39. That was, that was a big year for Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Two movies released. Uh, I mean, <laughs> two huge pop culture movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, old cinema just has like a thing to it. And like some people like it, some people don't. Um, that's just that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I really, I don't know. I really like this movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I'd watch a remake. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be as good. It'd be a <laughs> no, lot more action. Not. Yeah, they'd run it. Um, but yeah, eight and a half. Solid flick. Ending's weird. Yeah. Uh, I have a goof that I, I think is funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, during the scene in the diner at Mount Rushmore, extra a young extra boy in the background anticipates the surprise gunshot fired by Eve. The diners are supposed to be unaware this is going to happen, but the young extra boy covers his ears way before <laughs> she draws the gun. The young extra boy must have known there would be a loud bang from the blank-filled pistol from previous takes and therefore covered his ears on the printed take. Mm. That's funny shit. <laughs> that was pretty good that's gonna do it for this episode of dqb does where we talked about <laughs> north by northwest ending april hitchcock next month we don't know what we're gonna do so email us draftyq at gmail.com if you have suggestions on what we should watch probably hopefully a theme for the month uh we'll 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 surprise you guys next week with what we're gonna watch, so maybe you're, you'll have to pause it and watch the movie. It's not gonna be Debbie Does Dallas. I, I fucking swear to God. But dude, what if we did? Shut the fuck up, Dave. <laughs> oh, sorry, Russell. Uh, <laughs> anyway, find us on all your social media, searching Draft Quarters Productions. Find us on Patreon, doing the same thing. Give us one dollar so we can be more professional or something. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful time. Now you listen to me. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a, sec a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders that depend on me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. <laughs> <laughs>